Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump Podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. And my name is Ashton. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. How are we doing? Good. Not as cold as I have been That's in previous good. podcasts. That's good. Yes. We've got the heating on anyway. Yeah. yeah. Just to provide some ambient heat because it, this is a little annex. It's tradition here. at this point, isn't it, to, to have a sort of a temperature update at mm. the beginning of, um, well, or a hot box, yeah, but to talk generally about how warm or cold it is or isn't in well, this Well, we room. are English and that's what we like to do that's in this country. That's all we've country, got at this point. talk about the weather. Yeah. It's been blustery. Mm, just a here. bit. Windy. Just yeah. a little bit. My, my street is like a wind tunnel because I'm quite by the coast. <laughs> yeah. So like the... Winds just comes from the sea and just like bellows all the way down the street because it's just a long straight line. And then all you can hear is just all the wheelie bins going for walks. Mm. Yeah, the wheelie bins do love to walk. I have a similar wind tunnel effect down the side of my house, which is where the wheelie bins are. So I've taken to tactically laying them on their side end to Mm -hmm. end so they can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And yesterday was bin day, but it was recycling. And there's a... There is a fair amount of glass bottles, alcohol <laughs> bottles in my bin. A lot. And I was worried, hmm, I'm going to put this out at like 7 a.m. and it's going to just clatter over and wake yeah. everyone up. But it was all right, actually. It seems to have died down a bit. Someone's um, someone's bin fell over on bin day and there was a bin, just debris oh, all over no. the road. Last time it was windy on the previous storm, uh, someone's recycling bin fell over. They put it out the night before bin day because they come quite early. And there were cans just clattering around all night. And I went out like a like a dog and picked them up <laughs> Did in you? the night. Yeah. And you, you were up. so annoyed by it. Mm. And then someone on the Facebook uh, group uh, posted the next day saying, thanks to whoever picked my bin up and cleared up the cans. Careful, like, there's Peter a suspicious Rustin. man stealing guy. cans mm-hmm. outside. One time our bin, our recycling bin, like blew, some of the stuff blew off the top and down the street and I was too scared to go and collect all of my rubbish. So I just like, was, I just was watching it like go down and I was like, <laughs> oh no, I don't want to start chasing a plastic uh, bag down the street. Just got your embarrassing skeletons yeah, in closets yeah, yeah, exactly. going down the street all the murder weaponry yeah and yeah all the boxes of of things i don't want to talk about on the internet just whoa, kidding. whoa not, so many it boxes is. of those it yeah so many i was saying on my stream this week how i was kind of worried that what what if my stuff is like blown all down the street and people mm. see like loads of unread copies of uh, empire magazine <laughs> that is like a perk that i have with my bank account that i didn't even want i just right. had to pick one 
And before it was like cinema tickets, but I don't live anywhere near a view cinema anymore. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll get the Empire magazine. I sort of like films. Mm -hmm. And they it feels like they arrive faster and faster. Like there's there's less time between each issue. But no one's going to know they're unread. Well, they're just pristine. Yeah. And I'm just like putting them straight in the recycling bin. I'm not, to be clear. What they're actually doing is just sitting in, in a fire? pile. No, they could go in my fire though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like that, what if people judge me? Well, it's better like, unread magazine, magazine than like you know a, a huge stack of Victoria's Secret yeah, catalogs. Top shelf. But, I reckon they think I'd be pretty cool if if they saw that stuff. What they're actually thinking is this guy's a film nerd film and he's nerd. not. Yeah. He doesn't even care enough to read. Them. <laughs> he's just putting them straight in the bin. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's not it's not a weather talk. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to well, talk about video. Yeah. Okay. Do you wanna? Nah. We've we could it. do a whole thing. Yeah. We could get some questions about the weather. New section. Blake Thomas asks, what is your favorite degree? 27. Oh, I was going to say 26. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's time for weird weather. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first, Peter? What's your weird weather? Uh, actually, I want to backtrack. Okay. And just ask me again what my favorite degree is and pretend that I didn't give an answer before. What's your favorite degree, Peter? Uh, my uh, my 2-1 uh, BSC that I oh. got. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> this guy's so smart. Clever clogs. Yeah, there wasn't a first. Mine was. Uh, let's, Mine wasn't either. Uh, let's, let's start the podcast, shall we? Yeah. This is our video game podcast uh, where we talk about video games. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, they call that bit at the beginning of the Cultaholic podcast, Pleb Banter. Because where they talk about their favorite crisps and stuff right. at the start, and then yeah. they get into the serious business. So that's, a, that's kind of what we do, I bit guess. Bit of pleb banter. Yeah, yeah sort of yeah. breaking the ice. Depends. We fly by the seat of our pants. Yeah. I never know what we're going to talk about. No, I start. don't. This week, wind. We've mm. just got natural banter. That's mm. it. So, you know. Such fast friends, <laughs> colleagues. We've still not started the podcast. We've tried three times now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We I'm can gonna, get are you ready? Yeah. Welcome to our video game podcast. Oh. It's about video games and not the athletics event, triple jumping as you, well, some people on Twitter still do confuse us mm -hmm. with from time to time. Uh, each and every week we're sponsored by a very real video game adjacent sponsor. It helps us keep the lights on in the studio. The light, Well, that light's working now. This yeah, light is actually. not working right. still. That's the one that broke last week. I don't Only know. one bulb's been replaced. Just one. Oh, yeah. So it has. <laughs> okay, well, we've got one light working Three more four. bulbs. Uh, so... It's an improvement on last time, and that's thanks to you, and I think also Adam Pacitti, who put them up there after I yeah. put a message in. Yeah, probably. I think it's fine, by the way, in case you were wondering. Yeah, did it heal? Yeah. Did it healed now. You wouldn't know. Peter got an injury after replacing a bulb. We're getting distracted again. Yeah, we are. I've got the ad read in front of me here. You guys ready to learn about this week's sponsor? Mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, a very topical one. Girls, they're doing it for themselves. Sisters, they are. They are, mm -hmm. right? We yeah. all agreed here that yeah. that is that is the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Introducing the new girls only, not Pokemon sensation video game, Gal World. Love that. Gal World. Gal World. Girl only access. Uh, there's only girl monsters in it as well. Mm. See, the thing is, if you said Gal World mm. to me on the internet, I would just assume it's exactly the same game as that other game, Power World. I don't know. Only what that you're is. collecting like little anime, anime girls. Anime girls, instead. yeah. Right. Well, some people do live that in their everyday life. They go out and yeah. they collect little anime girls mm. yeah. for their shelves. Yeah. yeah. And all the power to them. But that's not what we're doing here in Gal World. If, if it's just a gal only world. If they're all female, mm. um, 
can they can they not breed or will life find, find a way? way yeah it's just magic They've i think got if frog you... dna which allows yeah. them to spontaneously change gender there's that well no that's not allowed because it's only gals right okay so you can't you can't be doing that so what you do is you walk like 100 feet away and then you walk 100 feet back and some there might be new gals there right. because they mm -hmm. sort of just pop into a existence. female stork has been and dropped yeah, off yeah, more yeah. female children yeah. precisely mm. so you can play gal world now i think it's on um Game Pass. Yeah, I think so. And um, a lot of other things as well, I think. Yeah, it is. Right. So great value. Hmm. <sighs> it's not real. Oh. oh. Sorry, it's not real. I was excited real. to have an exclusive game that you guys couldn't play. I know. Tough. But unfortunately, you've got you to share with everything. us. You guys get everything. Chocolate bars. Mm. Do they do game. that anymore? Are Yorkie bars still only know. for boys? And McCoy's for only for boys? Well, of, McCoy's are, only for boys. For a little while, they said they're like the man crisps or yeah, something. Yeah, man crisps. For men. Um, yeah. For wow. his pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a time they did a pink Yorkie bar that girls were allowed, but really? there was still sort of, you yeah. know, segregation. How there. inclusive. Yeah. And now I think maybe Yorkies are for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Yorkies for all. Brilliant. But Pal World is also for all. There's no Gal yeah. World yet. Uh, no, we're not sponsored by Gal World, but we are sponsored each and every week by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Thank you to everyone who signed up and supported us there. You get to ask questions on this podcast. You get early access to weirdest games and worst games. You get exclusive access to episodes of Rules Boss and Main Menu. Why not sign up for a month? Go back and watch all the episodes that have gone up there and maybe stick around if you like what mm -hmm. you see. We'd really appreciate it. Triple Jump. That's our website. You can go there to get cameos from us, find our Twitch, our Discord, our YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Triple Jump Shop is where you can buy merchandise of ours. I'm just going to stop saying it's nearly coming soon because it, it genuinely is, but it's... it's you might, every time you say it, I think you jinx it. It gets further away. To, so everything is done. The, yeah. the last thing that we needed to be done is done. Yeah. But now one of the things that was done is out of date. Yeah. Because it was meant to come out last to be year. changed. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully that'll be done soon and then we can release this pigging merch drop. Mm -hmm. And we hope you like it because we're excited about it. Is it is a good drop. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, all it means is that you've had more time to save up all of your money mm -hmm. to buy everything on the show <laughs> yeah. when it drops. And that's... That's what you've been doing. We yeah, know we course. know that's how this works. Uh, once again, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. And there's a big video out this week, isn't there? Probably. Hopefully. I have a copy of it. I need to look at it today. But we have been told, warned by the editor who has made it, that, hey, there might be something that needs changing. But in theory, every Overwatch hero ranked from worst to best is now available. If it's not... It will be next week. Very soon. Mm. And uh, we followed up our last very contentious ranked list by including another one that also has a very respectful, yes. calm, level-headed fan base. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll be thrilled yep. with the results of our rankings. Yeah. So enjoy that video now and all or respond next week. With positivity mm. and good vibes, yes. I'm sure. Rather than consult Metacritic, we've consulted rule34.com. Dot. Yeah, yeah, because that's what over that's what Overwatch is, isn't it? For a lot of people, oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. It it topped the. Oh, and it's on Pornhub as well, isn't it? Yeah, mm, yeah. You probably. Don't, you don't even have to go to a niche corner of the internet like Rule Thirty Four. No, you can go straight to Pornhub. Straight go straight to the, to the straight to the, straight to the, <laughs> hub, as the they, center, as they call it. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, go and watch that video now, or wait until next week, and it'll be available. We hope you enjoy it. It's time to crack on with a question. Uh, yes, it's from Blake Thomas, mm. who asks, hey, or says, hey, a bap. Dragons Hi. Dogma Hi, Blake. 
has chosen to not have fast travel in their open world game. Their reasoning suggests only boring games need the feature. After playing games like Spider-Man 1 slash 2 and using the fun function sparingly, if at all, do you think they are onto something with a distaste for teleportation? I have got a write-up here. It's according to GamesRadar, who are themselves quoting IGN. The headline is Dragon's Dogma 2 still doesn't have fast travel and its director says you only need it, quote, because your game is boring. Yeah, you're right. You are correct. <laughs> you, yes, you do need it when your game is boring. In an interview with IGN, Dragon's Dogma 2 director Hideaki Itsuno explored why new Capcom game, as well as its predecessor, didn't allow for fast travel. The latest game in the series will have ox carts, which you can use to travel between specific parts of the game's huge map, but might come under attack from huge monstrous foes along the way. Just give it a try. Travel is boring. That's not true. It's only an issue because your game is boring. All you have to do is make travel fun, Itsuno said of fast travel in video games. The Dragon's Dogma 2 director wants to come up with methods to create different experiences for the player each time, like enemy appearance methods. That's also a quote. It's boring. I got bored. It's one of the uh, There's two things I didn't like about the first game. One was the silent protagonist, and the second one was the fa lack of fast travel. There was a, a bit of a sort of semi-fast travel function in there. So you're saying not... that Dragon Dogma should have tele should have fast travel because it's boring? Yes, because it's boring without it. You're not saying it. that other games are boring no, because they have fast I'm travel? I'm not agreeing with okay. him. But I briefly I was... thought that you were agreeing. I was like, this is really out of left field. Well, I, I am agreeing with him that, well, he, he says... Dragon's Among 2 doesn't have fast travel as its director says you only need it because your game is boring. It's boring to leg it across a massive world I in see. any video game. Yes, I agree. And he's damn right that it his game is also boring and therefore needs it. I mean, he's not saying that, is he? But I'm saying yes. Put it in your game, sir. Put it in your game. You're a big fan of Dragon's Dogma. Yeah, I really liked the first one. You I just didn't like running it. There was a whole lot I, I really liked about it, but you had to run everywhere, massive world. And it's not just the distances you have to cover because, you know, in a game like Skyrim or Oblivion, uh, if you do choose to, to run somewhere, you can actually cross the map relatively quickly with, you will have encounters along the way, but you can kind of just run away, mm. um, I find. Whereas in Dragon's Dogma, it, it was less like that uh you still have the option to flee but uh it's not not so straightforward um i agree that uh in spider-man certainly in my case spider-man 2 i hardly used the fast travel at all i used mm -hmm. it like maybe uh on, on a couple of occasions where it was quite late in the evening and i was like i need to go to sleep but i quickly want to like finish this quest or whatever or mm -hmm. get, go and do something um and uh that was kind of it and that's because their travel was fun. Their traversal is like super fun, um, but that's a very unique case because you are Spider-Man and you're swinging around New York City, whereas with Dragon's Dogma, you are running and encountering loads of goblins and harpies and cyclopses and stuff. Um, the combat is fun, especially when you're fighting a big monster, but it's less fun when you're just getting like jumped by bandits all the time. Um, so mm. yeah, how do you feel about this, Ashley? I think that there's there's almost like two two kind of schools of thought from a developer. I think that you don't want your 
your player to want to use fast travel. You want them to, like with Spider-Man, enjoy getting around or encounter things that make it interesting. You want to put enough in your game where someone's like, oh, I'm not going to bother fast traveling. I'm just going to like walk there because who knows what I might find on my way, Um, which I think is like the ideal situation. Like, I don't think anyone necessarily goes into a game being like, God, can't wait to fast travel around the map. Mm. But when it gets late in the game and you're just mopping things up before you're doing like the final big bad situation, or even like you finish the game and you're just getting around getting all the trophies, for example, a fast travel mechanic is incredibly useful. I also think not having a fast travel mechanic is one another instance of developers not respecting our gamers' time, not respecting that not everyone is going to be able to sync two hours into just walking across the map. And I'm not saying it's going to take two hours to walk across the map, but not everyone is going to have the time to constantly be walking around and extending your game's playtime by forcing people to traverse solely on foot or on a horse isn't necessarily going to constitute them having a positive outlook of your game. You can't beef up your 20-hour playthrough by including 40 hours of having to wander around. But I do think that there is an element of just respecting that players like a fast travel system because it makes life a little bit easier. I don't think games that include fast travel are boring. I think some boring games have fast travel, but that's not, you know, because of one or the other. Mm -hmm. But... um, I would like a game that gives me the option to do fast travel, but doesn't like force me to do it. Spider-Man wasn't a very big map. So even if you did just want to like get over somewhere quickly, normally you could get there pretty quickly without fast traveling. And your movement speed, putting aside the fun of the swinging, the actual movement speed itself is was Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's just a matter of like developers understanding what gamers like and understanding that not everyone is going to want to, late in the evening potentially spend yeah. 10 minutes getting over there when they could spend 30 seconds pressing the button mm-hmm. so yeah i don't think games that have fast travel are boring no so no, that's don't. a that's a daft thing to say yeah and he's not even being taken out of context no. because that's what he said yeah and it could have been a mistranslate to be fair mm-hmm. it may, it, there may be something lost in translation there but it definitely depends on the game Spider-Man 2, for example, where you have the web wings, I have never had more fun traversing a game than I have in that. You can get around so fast. Mm -hmm. If you had to walk at street level from one end of flipping Island 1 of New York (laughs) to the top of Island 2 of New York, which they've included, it would take a long time. Mm. But you have other modes of getting around that make it enjoyable, that make it fun. I was sometimes disappointed when I was like, oh, I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I wanted to keep <laughs> yeah. going. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there are games that let you drive vehicles like GTA that, yeah, you know what? Sometimes it is fun to get on a motorbike, set a, set a waypoint and motorcycle your way over to your, your destination. But the longer you go in a game, as you said the less patience you have for stuff like Mm -hmm. that. There are multiple GTA games I've played where towards the end, I would just get in the back of a taxi, take me to my destination, I will skip the journey. Like, and and that's that. Games where you have to, apart from like hyper-realistic sort of like sim games where, yeah, of course, it's it's an ordeal to get from one place to another because that's Mm -hmm. the whole point Mm -hmm. of the experience Mm -hmm. that you're, you're enduring. With a game like Dragon's Dogma, where it doesn't sound like it necessarily has mounts, you're going to be on first game didn't yeah then yeah that's going to be tedious there's a big difference between driving a nice shiny car and drifting around corners and looking at the beautiful scenery and 
holding forwards. There's a huge difference. And yeah, you may bump into NPCs. You're going to, you know, the developers want you to see the world they've made. But if that is an issue, particularly that has been highlighted in your exact game in the first one, is that it took a long time to get around. I think it's very brash to say, yeah, we've got ox carts, but your game's boring. If you'd like to throw shade like that mm-hmm. when your ga- your own game was criticized for being tedious to get around in, I think that's that's a bit daft. I tell you what, if the ox carts are like, there was a mission in the first game where you have to defend an ox cart and you're standing on it and it's getting attacked by harpies and stuff. And it was really slow. It would have been faster to run. <laughs> so I, I, I'm assuming it's not going to be the same ox cart and it's going to be moving a lot quicker than that. And it might even sort of go into a cutscene and then suddenly it'll say, you've been attacked. And then suddenly you're like back into the game somewhere along that path. You can only but, hope. Yeah, mm. we don't know. But um, yeah, the ox carts, that's no um, consolation for me that he says, well, we've got ox carts in there. Well, in the same interview, yeah. he, he does go on to say that, listen, you can either walk everywhere or you can get these ox carts, but I can't remember what mythical creature. Mythical creatures are drawn to attacking the ox carts. Yeah. So there's like a trade-off. If you want to use our fast travel, you're going to... So actually... Either way, it might be extremely tedious. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, to say, to go back to your point, Ashton, of, of course the developer wants you to explore the world and have like encounters and things. Um, why not just do it? Like I have like a kind of a, a, a soft rule in my head when I'm playing something in Elder Scrolls game where I will fast travel between major cities. Either, I mean, I would maybe get the cart, but probably not. I'll just fast travel if I've been there before. Um, but I don't tend to fast travel to like locations out in the wild. So I will go to the nearest city and then I'll walk there from the gates. And then you still get those encounters, but you can cross half of the world in the blink of an eye. And, you know, I'm not suggesting for a moment that Dragon's Dogma 2 should allow you to fast travel to any location uh, that you've been to with the push of a button like Spider-Man does. Put web wings in. Yeah, put web wings and uh, wind tunnels. But why not just have it so that, okay, whenever you visit a major settlement, that gets added as like a fast travel destination. Well, that's the thing. A lot of these games that have fast travel in them, they require you to have got to a location first. Like Horizon, you can only fast travel to campfires that you have unlocked and you are required to have a fast travel pack on you not for the whole game eventually you don't need that anymore but um there's like things that stop you from just you know zipping around the world and not experiencing anything you still have to get to these places normally on foot or via other means of traversal so it doesn't you know it doesn't eliminate you exploring the world at all it just means you don't necessarily have to traverse the exact same path that you've done 20 times Mm. to get to one place yeah so Dragon's Dogma 2, shaping up really nicely. I bet it's going to be great. Mm. It's a shame that they've not addressed the fast travel. Yeah. Well, it's not only a shame that they've not addressed the fast travel issue, but outright just like shifted the blame onto other developers mm-hmm. for including it in the first place. You're spoiled. You're all soft players. <laughs> you should walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think it's a weird take. It's a bit of a self-own though to say like, as as you pointed out, it's one of the only like major complaints people had about the first one is like, I didn't enjoy the fast travel. And then the director literally comes out and says, games only need fast travel if they're boring. And that's exactly what my point was when I read the quote. Like, yeah, you're right. That's what everyone was complaining about mm-hmm. uh, with regards to the first game. We got bored. So, yeah. 
Well, the, when is Dragon's Dogma two out? It's really soon, isn't it? Is it next month? March. Yeah, it's pretty soon. It's like first March. quarter, I think. Okay. It's not February. So Peter will be playing this and you'll be able to tell us yeah. about how the fast travel is. Yes. Um, but no, fast travel does not make your game boring. No. Uh, it, it makes it a bit more palatable in yeah. certain <laughs> instances. Well, it's time to move on to a brand new section, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when you have like your best ideas in the car, that you'll be driving along, like, oh my god, great idea, and then you forget them, and then you eventually you remember them. You're again. In the shower, yeah, you yeah, yeah, it. and then you forget it. But all this time, I it was in and out of my mind all week, but I finally remembered what Brilliant. I thought we should do. Okay, and it's a segment that I think we should call "What We Playing." Oh, I don't know about that. Hmm. It's "What We Playing" time. Time to talk about the games. What we have been playing. Peter, yes. what have you been playing, please? I have primarily been playing a game that has just come out and that I will be talking about in due course in the review corner. Just oh. over there, the corner. Just, it looks so cozy. Lovely. Um, but I can talk about one other thing. I've 100%ed <gasps> Toy Story 2. Wow. Oh, I had a great time. Good. Um, I, I think I said last week that I had never owned that game as a kid. I had a demo for it, which had the whole first level. It's one of those demos where you just, you know, you play it over and over again, have mm -hmm. a great time, and it's almost like owning the full game because yes. that's how much you get out of it as a child. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a real experience. I tell you what, playing it on PS5, on uh, PlayStation Plus, you know, essentially an emulated version uh, of the game is the superior way to play because although a lot of uh, parts of that game have aged very well and it's the best, it's the most fun I've had in a collectathon in a long time. Um, certainly one from the past as opposed to a, a recent one like Crash Bandicoot 4 or something. Um, the controls. Uh, and the momentum, particularly of your character, have not aged particularly well. Okay. And I was falling off edges a lot. Uh, and some of them would, if you were playing legit, take ages and ages to get back up again. You can climb all the way up some towering platforming puzzle and then slip off because an enemy has hit you and there's knock back and you've tumbled all the way down. Hmm. Fortunately, as you may or may not know, when you play certainly PS1 games and oh, maybe yes. other games, you can just rewind. Mm. Um, Does it work well? Oh, I was yeah. going to say if they got save states, but yeah, I remember they, they did talk about the rewind. There are function. save states as well, but you can literally just press, you press the options button because the start button is mapped onto your touchpad. So options is still freed up for like the emulator itself. And you just press, you can just scroll back through a whole timeline <laughs> of like the game capture and just go back. And so, you know, I was cheating in that sense, but all I was doing really was saving myself the time of having to climb all the way mm. back up again. Only boring games need a save scrub feature. Indeed, yes. <laughs> so um, I don't know how people, well, they probably didn't 100% uh, that game back in the day because it would have been tedious as hell. But with me, it was great. If anything annoying ever happened because the controls are a bit wonky and a bit late 90s, early noughties, I just did a little rewind. And then, uh, you know, I completed every puzzle and boss fight legit. I didn't have any health cheats on or anything. I didn't rewind if I died. Um, there's no fall damage. I only rewound if I slipped off an edge and didn't want to climb back up again. Mm -hmm. So I found all 50 Pizza Planet tokens. Brilliant. Unlocked all of the low quality movie clips <laughs> and thought, hey, I've not watched Toy Story 2 in a while. Maybe I'll do that at some point. Mm. But I Did you get anything it. special for 100%ing? Did it show a message or? Uh, it said, congratulations, you've found all 50 tokens brilliant thing and i assume probably one of the movie clips i got was for doing that but mm. it was just the whole film know. yeah <laughs> compressed yeah. onto cd yeah. <laughs> cowboy. <laughs> um it's weird woody's not in it pretty much all the way through he's in the clips but 
as you may remember, the storyline is he's been taken by Big Al. Mm. Um, but in the final level, when you're fighting the boss, Woody and Jesse are just like standing up, like watching you going, and Woody has the worst face ever. And <laughs> it, oh, no. it's annoying because now you can't just handily upload an image to um, to Twitter from your mm. PlayStation. Mm. There are so many things where I thought, that'd make a funny tweet or yeah. like, you know, that that was a funny moment and it's not... As... Do you have the PlayStation app? You can download it onto your phone. I... Can you do that? Yes, yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah you can If you enable it, it, it app, it'll automatically download it. and you can you can browse to do it, it tab your on, your, on the app mm -hmm. and save it. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's the solution. It's still a pain. Yeah. yeah. It's easier to tweet from the system, but mm. you know. Thanks, Elon. You prick. Thanks, yeah, Elon. thanks, Elon. The other game we've been playing, as we'll learn in a moment, is Tekken 8. Tell you more soon. Very exciting. Ashton. I've been playing some games this week. I played some Jackbox and I played a game called Make Way, which is like a roguelike little toy micro machine type racer yeah. situation. Pretty good. You like play it in as many people as you want or with AI. And then you just add bits of a track on further and further. And then you just race it over and over again as it gets longer and longer or more difficult. And then whoever gets 3000 points wins. Ah. I've never ever won it. Every time we've played it, I've been... If I've got towards, like, the sudden death, I'm always the first one to fall off, and then I never win. Um, we played it a bit in New Year's, actually, and Kieran was really good at it. Like, he just... <laughs> we were playing it, like, before people arrived, like, oh, we'll turn it off. And then we ended up playing it for, like, two hours. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good little game if you're looking for a fun party game to play with some of your pals. Um, I played some more Baldur's Gate 3. I still have not finished it. Um, but my boyfriend is now obsessed with Tears of the Kingdom, so we've not finished our playthrough yet. Um, but the one thing I played a lot of this week is Pal World. I have been really enjoying that game. I kind of was like, oh, you know, I'll see what happens, see what come, see what I feel about it. And then I've just been really enjoying it. How far in are you now? How, um, how I'm level for? 17. Okay, you're a lot higher than yeah, I Yeah, and um, I've been exploring. I've, like, captured a few bosses. I've done, like, you the You can capture the bosses? yeah. There's okay. like some big ones that are dotted around. Right, like the big elephant thing. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. There's a few of them around. I've captured one of those. And I've also done like the first tower thing that you get access to. Um, and I've actually been really enjoying that. I have been collecting all kinds of pals. I've been putting eggs in a machine. I was raided by um, a bunch of feral animals and they burnt my house down oh so what? now i just have like a little shack while i figure out what kind of house i want to build um the issue is i don't know how to destroy anything i've been playing it on game pass with my xbox controller but for some reason the game doesn't tell me what button does what um like it just says like it'll be like change ball and then where there is supposed to be the button prompt it's not there oh. are you and you're playing on on game pass on at first i thought it was because i was playing it on a steam deck right okay um and i thought maybe it's because like it's it doesn't quite figure out that i'm using a steam deck controller even though it's the same as an xbox controller mm. but then i was like hmm so i gave it a go on my pc just sat there with my xbox controller and it still wouldn't come up so i don't know how to destroy things because the button prompt is just not coming up so i just have to hit things until they until they go i've worked out how to destroy things i'm just yeah. scared to do it yeah i want to move some of my stuff because i've kind of like squished myself in a little bit but i don't know how to do that um but i have been really enjoying that and i was debating like making a server that all my friends could join but then I thought I'll be really into it for like a week and then I won't be into it anymore. Mm. So it seems like a lot of work, but 
Yeah. That is exactly my thinking of it as well. It's like, it's a very zeitgeist game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it may have long-term viability, but knowing what these kinds of games are like, mm -hmm. it'll probably be popular for maybe a month. A yeah. flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the developers will make all the money in the world. They already have. We'll talk about it later on. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I personally am not willing to invest too much of my own time no. and money in it because I don't know how long. I, it'll even be cool to play it. And yeah. if it's not cool to play it, why even play it? I have been really enjoying it though. And I think that there's a lot of things that they've put in there that are, you know, familiar to other games, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But um I feel like it's a good enough mix of stuff where it just feels like there's always something to do and that's nice. You feel like the, the gameplay loop makes sense and yeah, everything kind of it feels easy to progress because everything makes sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been enjoying Power World this week. Yeah, I was very surprised by Power World. Mm -hmm. I just booted it up to give it a go. It's only six gigabytes yeah. on, uh, on series as well, which I was kind of shocked by. Uh, oh, I, I played for like two hours and then I played for two hours on stream this week as well. So I've not played a huge deal. I've got maybe eight or nine different pals. They look a lot. I think I've got like 40. Really? Wow. Yeah. They look a lot like other things. All of them in certain ways. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, DNA of other games in there. Mm -hmm. Sounds a bit Zelda-y. Have you seen? A lot of the time. When it looks you discover a, bit a new area. Yeah. When you discover a new area, mm. it comes up like the name of the area. Yep, yeah, it makes a little tingle noise. Just like Zelda. Just like Zelda. <laughs> like it makes exactly the Zelda noise. The Someone in my stream pointed out that when you're like chopping down trees or mining, the animation looks just like Fortnite and mm -hmm. stuff. There's yeah, a, Alex said that. There's a lot of inspiration. Uh, whether or not it's litigious, I, only time will tell. Again, we'll talk about that later. But I built a little base for myself. I ventured, I was just sort of pushing the boundaries of what I was allowed to do. Mm -hmm. So that giant boss thing that's just wandering about that's peaceful yeah it started wandering through my base and i thought okay well i can only have a certain amount of pals with me at a time and i can only have one deployed at a time but when they're at my base all, all working away you can set them to attack they just they just defend it so mm -hmm. if i hit this thing then maybe all of my pals will dive in and help me now this thing was level 35 and the average level of my pals is like maybe five. So they all started going and I was like, yeah, let's do this. And this this elephant just just destroyed my entire, yeah. my, my pal ship group. And I had to stick them in the special bank so they get healed. Oh. Uh, I haven't played any in, in co-op yet. I'd like to try it because I imagine it'll be more fun, but I'm... There's a, it's a really, regardless of, and again, I don't want to say too much because we'll talk about it in a bit, but regardless of its inspirations and the various different types of game that have gone in to make this, there is something undeniably compelling about Pal World that's mm -hmm. really fun. It's almost Minecraft-esque in a sense that you're always yeah. thinking ahead to your next job or it's your got, like, chore or the Valheim thing you want to well. do next. Mm. Like, oh, I've got to build this. And then if I go, yeah. and once I've done that, I'll sleep and I'll take my favorite pal out and we'll go for an explorer. And yeah. Catch some new pals and all that kind of stuff. One so. of my pals is a machine gun. I haven't got a machine. I haven't got any guns No, but yet. they've not got guns. Oh, One of them gun. I can just use like a machine gun. Oh, wow. you just hold it and fire it. Yeah. That's it sits on my head, cool. I Is think. it voiced by Justin Roiland? No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I've also played Pal World. I played some Borderlands 3. I've played some more Persona 4 Golden. Still following my guide. Still chipping away at that when I can find the time. Played more Baldur's Gate 3. I didn't even realize what act I was in because I thought it would be more clearly signposted. Mm -hmm. But apparently I'm deep into act two at the moment. Oh, yeah. Are I you feel... in the forest? No, no, I don't know. Don't think so. 
I'm then you're not in Act 2 then? Are you in an underground? Yes. You're in Act 1 still. Am I? Yeah. Okay. Act 2 starts at the end of that bit. The bit. You'll get a thing that says... Does it say something? You'll say, if you progress now, you will lose out on some quests. I've had that before a couple of times. Like, make sure you've got loose ends tied up. Oh. I've been prompted by that a couple of times. I think there's, from what I understand, there's a couple of, there's a few different ways you can progress through the game. So yeah. I think I might be going through it slightly. I am in an underground place. You're in the underdark. The underdark. The underdark. That's yes. still Act One, I think. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Act Two starts when you get into the forest. Okay. I have no idea then because I was Googling like what act am I in and I got loads of conflicting information. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what act I'm in. Uh, I feel like I've been playing it for 4,000 years mm. uh, and even though I'm still playing it by myself, I've, I just the, the more I play it, the less it's for me, I think. Like I find myself getting very frustrated with it mm. um, and like... The UI's doing my head in on console. I don't think it's well optimized the wheels, at all. I, I don't like the wheels. The, I can't read any of my inventory. Mm -hmm. It's so small. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like the, the Baldur's Gate community, which is sizable, are going to come for my head. I fully appreciate everything this game does. If I, was the, if I am still in Act 1, I might just have to tap out. Mm -hmm. If I am as far as I was led to believe that I was, I could probably see it through. Right. But I find myself more frustrated than than enjoying it. And I and as I've said many times before, I can fully appreciate everything that this game does, but it, I I am just not having as much fun as I feel I should do. Mm. Uh, it makes me sad, but also I just don't want to waste any more of my time with it. Mm -hmm. If if I am not as far as I thought, I'm like twenty two hours in. You might be really close to. Are you? So you're not in the area where Moonrise Towers is. I am going, going to do to some. There. No, I've been. I'm going to do something to Moonrise Tower now. Okay, but you've been to Moonrise. I've been Tower. already. Okay, so you are in Act Two. So you're probably not in the Underdark then. Okay, well, whatever that's called. Okay, you are in the forest. Is it a forest? Yeah. It's under a curse. This bloody game. You it doesn't look like a flipping forest. It's dark It's there. just that dark that you <laughs> thought been, you were it's underground. It's shadow cursed, so, but you're not oh. underground, I promise. What's happening? Anyway, I'd like, I fixed Karlak, mm -hmm. so I was like, brilliant. You are in Act, you can, are in act 2. Can have, a, can have a lovely time with Karlak. Then she had like three nights to be able to do something, and she didn't. And then flipping Githyanki over there, I found an amazing, basically, Lazel. Hmm said, hey, let's have a let's have a fight in our pants. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, Karlak hasn't made a move yet, even though we're in sort of like a committed thing. And then it turns out that when you have the underpants fight, that's actually you committing to Lazel, which I didn't know. And now Lazel has had like a week of in-game time to do something and hasn't. I'm gonna finish this game of Virgin, which I'm always, which I'm so cross about. They don't always progress the, the next step of the relationship until later on in the game. Like Shadowheart, you can kiss her in Act One. Right. Act two, you can't do nothing. Okay, so it might just be a certain point in the game yeah. where they where they do she it. She now loves me, but I don't think I'm gonna get to, to bone her until Act Three. Until I've done a quest of hers. Okay. Mm. All right. I just this is like real life. Isn't mm. it? It's so hard. So it's like work. this. This was like the big, the big thing about Baldur's Gate is yeah, you know, the sexy times. I didn't realize it'd be so hard. You yeah, know? I didn't yeah. realize it'd be so difficult. So when he Lazel, it felt like I'm being strung, strung along by Lazel. So I ended things with Lazel. Carlac oh. is now my new best friend again. Yeah, but she's not because I have no romantic options with her. So I may just be back to square one across the board, Maybe. which is excellent news. <laughs> so then I googled like 
why won't <laughs> why won't Lexel sleep with me? <laughs> which is probably my lowest moment. Yeah. In my entire history and yet of playing video games, it's probably been googled games. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's multiple threads about it because it's a it's a big game where lots happens and there's a lot of bugs. And someone said something like, "Why would you want Lazel? She looks like our boiled foot." <laughs> <laughs> oh no, a boiled foot, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, um, but I thought if I stick it out with Lazel, then maybe you know I can experience that and then end things with her and then move on to Karlak. But I maybe. Fumbled all of the balls. Are you doing the bone percent speed run? Yeah. You can just well, quit once you've had sex. I, I mean, it's the worst speed with, run if ever. You're desperate to have sex, you, all you got to do is talk to Gail like three times, and he's like, "I love you. Let's have space sex." Well, I did. That seems that seems pretty vanilla. Yeah. You know, even though it's space sex. Yeah. yeah. If it's the easiest one, I want the I want the path that's that's the most challenging. Didn't realize yeah. it'd be this hard. Okay, so I am near the end of Act Two then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So I may finish it, but. I'm not loving it as much as I want to, and uh, that's a shame. Mm. All the power to you, boulder heads. That's yeah. what you're called, baldies. <laughs> baldies. <laughs> Bald heads. Uh, apart from that, I started reading a book called Masters of Doom, which is about doom, and it's sort of a biographical account of uh, John Carmack and John Romero and how they started and came together and made doom. They do not come off very well in this book, I've got to say. They oh, seem, really? I don't know how they are now as people, but they this account does not paint them in the best light. They seem pretty unpleasant. Yeah, and, uh, I've had sort of, I've heard like stuff about them that they're not, they're not like the nicest guys mm. in the world. Like, I mean, knowing what we know now and reading this account of them, and I think this, this probably more often than not from my completely uneducated opinion applies to people who are very talented with computing and mathematics. Yeah. It definitely seems like these guys are on the spectrum at like to some degree. Right. Like the description of their social interactions with people co comes across as extremely rude, but if you are on the spectrum to that extent, I think that that you know social interactions are very challenging. Yeah. So there's like it, it's just it's a fascinating look at how, you know, these guys came together to make doom but also a really interesting character profile of these two guys mm. uh, that I'm finding very interesting. I'm not that far into it, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that Masters of Doom is a book and I'm reading it because <laughs> I can read words. Good for you. My God. No big deal. Well, yeah. Peter. Yeah? Do you want to do you want to talk about Tekken 8? I'd love to. Well, then get on over to that review corner, would Let's you? Let's go. Yes, well, here I am in Review Corner. You might notice a slight difference in audio quality and the fact that, hello, hello, I'm on my own. Where's Ben? Ben and Ashton, are you? Um, ben and I did have a riveting conversation about Tekken 8 at the office yesterday at time of recording. Uh, and then it, it occurred to me after the fact that I'd completely forgotten to talk about a very weird, quite significant game mode uh, in the game that definitely needs mentioning. So here I am now having to uh, re-record the review corner remotely. So uh, apologies for that, but let's uh, let's crack on, shall we? I could do this solo. So yes, firstly, thank you Bandai Namco for sending us an early copy of Tekken 8. 
Um, and of course, per ASA guidelines, because they sent that copy to us, we do have to call this a hashtag ad. Even though no money has changed hands, they just sent us a copy. We said thank you very much, and I've played it. But there we go, that's the ASA for you. So here we are, Tekken 8, and how far we've come. Some of you may have seen the uh, the sort of the reaction gif of Kazuya Mishima after he throws his dad off a cliff. He sort of side-eyes the camera and smiles in his weird FMV way. And honestly, when you boot up this game and you see Kazuya's face in amazing photorealistic fidelity, how far we've come uh, across this series. I've been a fan for a long time, and uh, visually, this game is very impressive indeed. It's a kind of interesting mix of... Some of the time you look at it and you feel like this looks really just photorealistic and at other times you look at it and it, it almost has a kind of a stylization about it and yet those two things don't seem to clash with each other it's a strange mixture but there's not a kind of a disparity between the two it's it's quite it's quite a strange effect but in a in a really nice way as i say um so those are the the the, the graphical visuals we're talking about there but uh, it's also very impressive looking in the way that it moves and the uh, some of the kind of little details and effects that they've uh, included here i don't I don't think it's a first for Tekken, but uh, you have uh, fun fun details like um, when my boy Paul Phoenix uses uh, one of his special moves, his Rage Arts, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, he whacks the opponent so hard that his sleeve jacket sleeve bursts. And uh, for the remainder of the fight, even onto subsequent rounds, if there's still two or three more rounds to go, uh, he will just not have a sleeve anymore. So there are fun little, you know, things like that um, where you you kind of make make a change to your character model for the remainder of the fight, and it's just it's nice to have those little touches. Um, and uh, it's the same with you know the particle effects and and all that kind of thing. They've uh, they've really gone to town on this. Uh, something else that I I don't think well in fact I know is not new for Tekken it was certainly uh, there in Tekken 7 is you've got your your sort of slow-mo punches or kicks or whatever it is but if when when uh, your two opponents uh, when the two fighters sorry are swinging at each other and it's oh you know who's gonna do it who's gonna do it and I think one of you has to be on low health as well so it's like one of you if this lands might die uh, or get knocked out you get the the slow-mo swing which is a lot of fun um, but let's talk game modes uh, and, oh, in fact, gameplay first, because there is one uh, new thing that I should mention in terms of gameplay. You now have a heat meter, which is a bar that is full at the start of each fight, and you can basically use it whenever you like. Uh, and it kind of just puts you in a mode where you have more powerful attacks. Um, so uh, it sort of supplements what was introduced in Tekken 7, the Rage Arts. Uh, Rage Arts is something that kicks in when you have very low health. You can press a single button on the controller, it's not difficult to do, and you do what is essentially a finisher. It doesn't always finish off your opponent, but it tends to take off about half of their health if it lands properly. So. Um, uh, that has been in uh, in the game since Tekken 7. It's good for kind of uh, evening out a fight. If you you know if you're not doing well, then you suddenly get this massive uh, this massive attack. So that's great. But the new heat meter is similar, just in a, on a smaller scale. Uh, you can use it whenever you want. 
um, and uh, it kind of just makes certain powerful attacks available to you. Um, and it, again, it's quite easy to use, at least at a basic level. There are there are things you can do with it. There are there are various combinations you can do once it's been activated. But if you don't want to mess around with combinations, you can just mash the R1 button, and uh, your character will pull off a really nice, satisfying combo. So again, that's really it makes things a lot more accessible. And I think that's one thing about this game that I really like is that. It not. I don't think this is a bad thing. Some Tekken purists probably will, but I think this game rewards button mashing a bit more. It just feels like half of the inputs that you do, even if you're not doing it in a clever way, they will just sort of string together into quite a satisfying combo. And I feel like that's something that Tekken, certainly Tekken 7 and Tekken 6, when I've played them again recently, um, was, was lacking a little bit. I found it a bit more difficult, despite the fact that I do have various combos in my mind from earlier Tekken games that I've played. I sort of found it a bit more difficult to play some of the recent games in a in a good way and in a in a visually appealing way and you know making my my own fighting look good and feel good whereas this game seems to reward that a bit more that you can just sort of mess around a little bit especially if you're a new player and you don't know what you're doing and you'll still kind of come out of it looking like hey i did some moves there so i think that's great to see but yes let's talk game modes because there are an awful lot of game modes in this game and uh, there is of course a story mode um and it follows the the ongoing tale of the Mishima and uh, uh, Kazama uh, dynasty um, and uh, for the most part you play as Jin Kazama uh, given that he is kind of a hero of this game um, and so it is as you might expect from a fighting game story mode a series of fights strung together with cutscenes, and there's voice acting that takes place kind of in and around the fights you know when people are entering the the arena and uh you know that kind of thing so um it's a it's an interesting story it's compelling it's very sort of hammy and and silly um you know the the world is kind of ending or uh, it's entered an age of darkness um and yet kazuya mishima puts on a uh, a, a fighting tournament to uh decide which countries in the world are best uh, and the, the worst ones will be sanctioned and the best one will will sort of get some benefits and stuff. It's it's a strange story. Um, it's quite short. I've not finished it yet because I've been playing other modes. But uh, yeah, it's, it is a lot of fun and certainly big Tekken fans will, will enjoy it a lot. But the other modes to deal with here, uh, we've got Tekken Ball mode that has returned. The volleyball game that uh, was made famous in Tekken 3. Um, it's back. Uh, you've got arcade stories i think they're called or, or character stories or something which is a bit more like the traditional arcade mode you used to have in uh, in previous tekken games where you choose whichever character you want and uh then you get a little ending cutscene um but let's talk about this weird game mode i forgot to talk about yesterday uh, it's also arcade related but it's um it's called i think it's called arcade quest i've written in my notes but it's been a while since i played it i played it on the first day that i received an early copy of this game and then i kind of got sidetracked by the proper story mode but uh, arcade quest you begin by making a sort of me a nintendo me or an xbox avatar style character i made billy ray walrus as you can see here fantastic if you're if you're watching that is on youtube if not uh, we've got some footage available on the youtube version of this podcast um and you then enter a actual arcade with people in it and you wander around and you challenge those little characters 
at games of Tekken. All with the uh, the motivation to become like a Tekken 8 esports champion. It's a very strange thing from Bandai Namco, but it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a bit strangely written. It might be sort of down to mistranslation from Japanese, but some of the dialogue is very, very cheesy. It's not voice acted, it's all just in dialogue boxes. But you know what? Like, if the game had shipped with everything it has, minus this mode, it still would have been enough. No one would have said, mm, this is lacking something in terms of game modes. So the fact that this exists at all is just kind of a bonus, really. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely something to check out. A, a strange new arcade quest mode. Um, as you play through arcade quest and other game modes as well, you will unlock um, customizable items for your characters. So you can do all manner of bits of character customization. You can change their hair and their clothes and... Um, accessories and even their, their sort of visual effects when they punch people and stuff like that. So uh, that again is not new for Tekken but it is a returning thing um, so you can have some fun there. Um, and uh, the one other thing to note is that there are some good uh, visual accessibility options in this game. You can kind of mask out the background and turn your foreground characters into uh, kind of single block colour silhouettes um, in the same way that you might have seen uh, in something like The Last of Us you could turn enemies into like red models and stuff like that um, so uh, that's something you can do for like a very high contrast option uh, but there's also just um, colour blindness uh, filters so that you know it will change the sort of the, the visual spectrum of the game um, without fully turning everything into like block like masked out characters but uh you know so that's good that there are different options for people with different needs but there you go wonderful thank you very much bandai namco once again for sending us a copy of this game i really enjoyed it uh and i'm continuing to enjoy it in fact and uh yeah it deserves the very high review scores it has been getting let's just say that um, so, wonderful. It's now time, before we go back to questions, for Ashton over at the, uh, the Gaming Forecast. Let's, uh, let's hear it, Ashton. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, February is fast approaching and we're well and truly getting into the swing of things for 2024 with a couple of new oldies and a few regular old newbies. I'm going to tell you about a few of the big drops coming this month that you should have on your radar. Or not. I'm not your mum, so you do you. 
kicking off this month with a game that could possibly be the straw that breaks Rocksteady's back, it's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. The four-player game lets you play as Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang or King Shark in an open-world metropolis, fighting the DC heroes we know and love and hordes of other enemies that roam the world. The third-person action shooter has already received criticism for its invasive HUD, live service elements and we heard after the previews, boring content. But hey, maybe it'll surprise us when it releases on February 2nd. Probably not, but Suicide Squad releases on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series and PC. Also launching on PlayStation, PC and Xbox on Feb 2nd is the remake of 2006 hit Persona 3 in the form of Persona 3 Reload. With a hybrid of traditional RPG mechanics and social simulation, you play as a newly orphaned high school student who gains the ability to summon a persona and is set the task of defeating shadows and uncovering a mystery. With quality of life improvements taken from Persona 5, in addition to its graphical overhaul, it's perfect for both new and old fans of the series. The game also hits Game Pass Day 1. In an I'll believe it when I see it kind of mood, Ubisoft Skull and Bones is set to release on February 16th. The open world pirate adventure has you captaining your own ship as you sail the high seas, either following along the single player campaign or playing against your friends in disputed waters. With the goal of becoming the most fearsome pirate on the sea, you can fully customise your ship from aesthetics to weapons and set sail to loot and shoot like the pirates we all wanted to be as a child. The game releases on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series and PC. Another revamp of an older game now with The Brothers A Tale of Two Sons remake. The original game released in 2013 and tells the story of two brothers on a journey to help their sick father by getting him some medicine. Where previously the game was single player, with each brother being controlled simultaneously by either side of the controller, the new edition allows for a local co-op mode for two players, on top of the upgrade to Unreal Engine 5. Perfect for a revisit from fans or a checkout from newbies when it launches on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series and PC on February 28th. The last game I want to tell you about today was voted 2024's most anticipated game by practically everyone. It is of course Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. The second part of the Final Fantasy VII Remake launches on February 29th and carries on from the 2020 game, retelling the story of the original with some new twists, gorgeous graphics and updated control schemes, making it the perfect time to dive into a game that many deem as one of the greatest of all time. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is set to release exclusively on PlayStation 5. Well, those are just some of the games launching next month, but there are plenty of other games that will wet your whistle should you still find it pretty dry after what I've told you about, including remasters slash remakes of Tomb Raider 1-3, Mario vs Donkey Kong, and Star Wars Dark Forces. Anyway, back to the podcast. Thanks, Ashton. <laughs> Thanks, Ashton. It's Thanks, Ashton. Now it's time for question two. Comes from Chris McVeigh. Hi, BAP. Ubisoft may, be, may soon be facing a class action lawsuit over shutting down the service for the crew. The game will be completely unplayable after March of this year, and the respective lawsuit seeks to get an answer to whether companies are allowed to do that for products people have already paid for. I'm sure we can all agree that at, it's at least morally wrong to revoke access for no reason like this. So instead, I'll ask what potential solutions could be implemented, whether legally or otherwise. Should games be required to have an offline mode? Should end-of-life games get a final update to remove online connectivity? A secret third option? Mm -hmm. um, so if you've not heard about this, uh, this is an article from PC Games N. don't know what the N stands for. From Ed Smith. Nerds. Um, so Ross Scott, also known by his channel handle Accursed Farms, which is, I know that, but I don't know why. Um, 
claims that the closure of the cruise servers scheduled for Sunday, 31st of March, represents a grey area in video game consumer law that would challenge that he would like to challenge. Scott's contention centers the fact that since the cruise is only playable online, after the game servers are closed, it will no longer be accessible accessible to anyone who owns it, whether digitally or via physical copy. The crew was originally released in 2014, but last year Ubisoft announced the online service for the racing game will be closing down owing to the infrastructure and licensing constraints. Um, and then this is a quote from Ross that says, I think the argument to be to make is that the crew was sold under a per- perpetual license, not a subscription. So we're being sold a good, not a service. Then the seller rendered the game unusable and deprived it of any value after the point of sale. It's possible to argue that it's possible that argument won't hold up either, in which case I think there's no possible way to stop this practice, at least in the United States. But to the best of my knowledge, this angle has never been tested in court and might actually have some teeth. This is a high-profile game that was sold in stores under... That's what he says, send that again. Um, and then one of the things that frustrates me about the games as a service is that they there is a legal grey area. No one can say for certain that destroying a game you paid for is legal because it hasn't been challenged. By challenging its legality, we could turn this into a black and white issue. If we lose, I want to lose hard. If there's no chance of stopping us, I want a judge to say that to our faces. When we buy video games, we have no consumer rights and no ownership over what we pay for. Mm. So he's really just going, he's making a point that yeah. there needs to be a more definite definition of what they are selling us in video games which is kind of we were talking a little bit about this last week about game ownership and like whether you own what you have and video game preservation but in terms of if this can't be stopped what can be done to make games not be unplayable Mm. yeah well i think it's interesting i was reading that article before we started recording and um i thought at the beginning of it i was like uh this just sounds like a guy's a bit annoyed that you can't play the crew anymore and like this happens all the time but then when he sort of goes in when it like quotes him and he's saying look this was sold as a good not a service and the product is now being rendered unusable Mm -hmm. if if uh, someone could uh, if phillips could turn my fridge off remotely just because they decided to Mm. i don't know who made my fridge then um that would be obviously really messed up. That, yeah. that would just be completely against my consumer rights. Yeah. Well, another quote from him is that he says it's like buying a car and you buy the car and then one day the dealership just has a button that just makes the car melt. Yeah. And you don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen. Happens with phones all the time. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. And when when he puts it like that, I think, well, sure, why not try and put that in front of a judge? I mean, you know, God knows what it's going to cost him to do so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wish him the best to try and I, I would very much like him to win this case and set a precedent to say that at least um, uh, there maybe has to be more transparency on the part of a publisher to say, by the way, in purchasing this, you you must be aware that in a certain amount of time we have the right to, you know, at least make a declaration. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because even in doing that, that can sometimes make companies not want to do something even mm. if they're legally allowed to well, do Well, they must have done that. Like, you know, when you... All yeah, those I guess terms it's probably in some terms However, but... I think the issue realistically outside of like, oh, well, eventually, you know, the game, we could take it away from you, isn't necessarily the fact that they're taking a game away. It's the fact that they're just basically like, yeah, well, you can't play it anymore. Yeah, like, and we're just going to stop playing. Yeah, yeah because... and which is the issue with always online games that we've talked about a lot before with like the live service element of games is that you lose so much of the game because it's always online. The second they shut down the servers, that's it, dead gone forever. Yeah, well, in, in terms of uh, a secret third option, as suggested by Chris McVeigh, I don't know 
not being someone who knows anything about software, I don't know how straightforward it would be or costly it would be to put things in place either from day one of development or uh, you know later down the line like now to make it so that fans can host their own servers mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Um, maybe that is like a very costly thing to also implement and put that, that kind of architecture in there. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you're just using exactly the same systems as what's there for uh, you know, using their official servers, but just saying, well, those are gone now, but here's the information you need to set up your own server. You do that. We'll give you the keys uh, and, and off you go. And if that was permitted, that's fine because, mm. uh, you know, if if there exists a fandom that still wants to keep playing a game, then they will definitely find a way to set up some servers and, and keep on playing. And the moment that there aren't those people around who are going to want to make that effort anymore, then it doesn't really matter because those are generally the sort of people who are going to want to keep playing the game anyway. So, uh, you know, kind of look after yourself. Um, it would be nice if that was easy to do, but I, I don't know how straightforward that is. I think there is a lot of, of older games that have uh, such an avid community that have set up their own servers. It's happened a lot in the yeah, past. Yeah, like... Some um, games just might not allow it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know about the rules about allowing it, but yeah. I don't mean no, uh, um, permitted. I know I mean, what you mean, yeah, though. Like, the ability to... Technically, whether it works. Yeah. Because yeah. there's... Um, my partner plays, like... I don't know. I think it's Battlefront. I don't know. It's a Star Wars game. Hmm. Um, and they have, like, a, a bunch of people in a server that are just like, I'm going to jump on now because the servers are still active and able to play. And you're like, if these games that are way older than 2014 are able to play, Hmm. why is it that companies nowadays can't be expected to just like, if a game is still being played, why wouldn't they still let people play it? I think that in terms of what could be done, I just think there needs to be something in place, like um, Chris says, about making the games playable offline. Hmm. It can't be that hard to create like a version of the game that lets you play it on your own or in co-op. There has to be there has to be a way that you can implement into a game from the get-go that this game can be played online but can also be played completely offline. Um I think this is an issue that boils down to the trend of always online games and I think that this is not necessarily going to get fixed anytime soon. But with this lawsuit, hopefully there can be not restrictions put in place, but rules made that a game cannot simply exist online and has to have some element that can always be played offline. That's the dream that comes out of this. I don't know if it will. I think Ubisoft probably have enough deep hidden contract terms that mean that they're like well we always said this was going to happen and you just didn't pay attention to that you accepted the terms and conditions that's your fault um but hopefully there will be some shake-up that means that always online games cease to be so always online that would be nice Mm -hmm. this would just have the hugest implications if it ended up going through Mm -hmm. i think it's highly unlikely that it will because mm. Ubisoft will have more money. Uh, they will have protected themselves somehow in the terms of service, you know, the ones mm-hmm. that we scroll through every time we boot up a game. And uh, this is certainly the case more, I would say, with live service games than games that are sold as a product like apparently the, the crew was. Uh, but sometimes when servers go offline for, for similar games, it's because the studios shut down. Mm-hmm. So at that point, how how is anything enforceable if there's no company yeah. left standing? Uh, I 
agree that there should be a duty of care with the people who are making the game and responsible for games that are sold to players, uh, whether that be allow players to host their own servers or patch in a like a doomsday button or develop a doomsday button which just converts like turns the servers off but lets you still mm. boot up the game and play on your own or like add bot support or something there needs to be some kind of fail safe in there so people aren't being ripped off um i mean it's, all i can hope is that if this does go anywhere the legal responsibility on the part of developers and publishers that would be implied after the fact would mean that maybe some of these developers and publishers shy away from making such games mm -hmm. like Suicide Squad mm -hmm. and the like. Mm -hmm. You know, just, we'll, we'll maybe see less of these games going forwards. But uh, I do think it's really interesting that that it's the crew that is at the center of this debate because yeah. I can't imagine the crew has a particularly large player base. But if it is just a perfect example of a game that is like an online-only title but is being sold, was sold as a product, then yeah, mm -hmm. people people do deserve access to what they paid for yeah. forever yeah wonder if it will become not mandatory let's say this happened the hypothetical world that this happens and they are forced to do something that will mean that game is not always online do you think that a studio would be more inclined to implement a short single player campaign a la the most recent call of duty that's like less than eight hours and they're like well you can play that that's what we sold you this other stuff's mm. you know it's just a bonus extra. yeah um and whether there will still be a lot of game content that we will lose access to but they'll have their backing of like well there's a single player campaign you can play if you want to or, better just make it really short yeah or they just will create some way of playing it offline but mm. what do you what do you think they what do you think would be the logical thing for them to do well, I think if, if if anyone, if a company did decide to do that, to just sort of throw in a, a, a here's a little bit, something you can play offline so we're covered in terms of mm. we've sold you a product, mm. at least then that that means there is architecture in place for a single player experience. Or if, you know, if mm -hmm. they throw in a bit of local multiplayer, the architecture's there. And then maybe, again, like if a very dedicated fan base can is then able to sort of get into the the game, they could use those systems that have already been built by the official developers mm -hmm. and build off of that and then say, well, now we can we can take this and turn it into something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it was a game that was only ever built officially to work as an online multiplayer game, that I suspect would make it more difficult to then create offline content for you to enjoy at home as a as a modder or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, it's it's never as simple as like oh well just just we could just mod the game couldn't we no you can't in a lot of cases it's absolutely mm -hmm. not that simple especially on console rather than pc mm -hmm. i think it might be too late to add in a single player after the fact because that yeah. won't be what people paid for initially mm. and it also won't be on oh, i'm not saying with like the crew no 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 I, yeah i know yeah. i know what you mean but like right. if if that was a course of action that a developer took for example it's mm. just like well at least you've still got this it wouldn't have been part of the original product so if it's like a disc-based game then people who are buying that with no way to patch it or play mm. online will still end up with a game that just doesn't function. Yeah, I think we mean more in terms of if a precedent is now set going forward. Yes, no, you know, I, I games that come out. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. But yeah, Call of Duty, Call of Duty's campaigns are getting shorter. Mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it would be so sneaky, wouldn't it? That that would have to be challenged again, potentially. Yeah. If it's like, well, no one's buying this for the flipping, you know, the sixty minute. 
yeah, you basically clearly, tutorial you that put you've that given in to us. Tick a box, mm -hmm. like yeah. a legal box that's now been set. That's not what this is yeah. for. It would, yeah, it, they will always find ways around it, mm -hmm. but yeah. uh, I don't think that would engender any any leniency if it was challenged. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, anyway, but. Uh, who knows? It's like many of these things, we probably won't hear about it forever if indeed it actually goes anywhere at all. It may yeah. not even make it to a judge. Yeah. So there we are. It's time for something a little bit peculiar. Mm. A bit strange. And very up-to-date and current. It's weird news. It's weird news time, time for some weird video game news. Remember, you can submit your weird video game news to us on the relevant social media platform underneath the post that goes out on a Tuesday. Uh, alternatively, you can go to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, support us at the appropriate tier, become a podcast producer and guarantee a shout out right now, just like. It's so small on my sheet. For it's quite reason. small. Chip Thompson's Thumbs. G.Y. Goliath. Nexus Polaris. Nicole Hansen. Kyle Gary. Andy Scott. Blake Thomas. Lockie Morris. Shaman Nomo. Greg Giggity. Meldy Elbonet. Katie Garrett. Gabrielle Philippink. Potato Shack 99. And Eric Sue. Thank you, Thank podcast, you podcast producer. Producers. Thank you so much, podcast producer. Like there's some new names there, I think. Mm -hmm. How exciting. Yeah. You got weird news. I got weird news. It was sent to us via Twitter from Johnny Mac at Johnny Mac13 on Twitter. On Twitter. It, it's according to timeextension.com. I think it was sent on Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. Mm. Yeah, on Twitter. Formerly known as X. Got him. Uh, <laughs> it's written by Damien McFarren on timeextension.com. Even Conker's dad didn't know about the Playboy multiplayer tour. There's a lot to unpack there. Mm. Yes. I don't really like the term Conker's dad. That's a bit yes, weird. Like it's referring him. to the person who developed the game, yeah. like the yes. director or someone. Weird. Uh, subheading, it's a fun and sexy game, very Playboy-esque. And that's in quotes. We'll get to that. Right. Wikipedia is a goldmine of information, so much so that it occasionally throws up things about video games that even the developers of said games weren't previously aware of. Take, for, exa take for example, Chris Sevor. Savor uh, of Killer Instinct, Rusty Pop, and Conker's Bad Fur Day fame. He recently took to social media to express his admiration for the incredible depth the game's Wikipedia page goes into, even pointing out that there's a part of the N64's title's sordid past that even he wasn't previously clued up on. Uh, here's what Wikipedia says about this momentous event, the, the event being, uh, there's a tweet embedded above, um, never actually checked this out before and it's surprisingly extensive. There's even stuff in here I didn't know about, like the Playboy multiplayer tour with porn stars hosting it. Here's what Wikipedia says about yes. this momentous event. From March to April the 5th, 2001, Playboy magazine ran its first ever video game related tour, a set of Conker's Bad Fur Day beach mode multiplayer competition parties at 20 colleges across the United States, hosted by Miss March 2001, Miriam Gonzalez. Winners of the contests were awarded with green Nintendo 64 consoles, copies of Conker's Bad Fur Day, and Nintendo and Playboy merchandise, while the player with the highest score of all of all competitions won trips to two Playmate of the Year parties at Playboy Mansion. Whoa! What? Speaking to IGN at the time, Donna Tavoso, Creative Services Director for Playboy, had this to say of the tour. Our college reps across the country have put together a great event. The Playmates are the perfect hosts to, to promote Conkers, full stop. <laughs> Did she think she was okay. promoting Conkers? Yeah, like from a Horse tree. Horse chestnuts, yeah. yeah. 
Um, it's a fun and sexy game. Very Playboy-esque. Very Playboy-esque. Fun and Is sexy. Is Conker's Bad Friday a very sexy game? It's a bit sexy, It's yeah. got some, like... Boobs in it. Yeah, not actual boobs. No, though. right. There are Just some flower boobs in implied, it. Implied boob, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Conker's Bad Fur Day famously began life as a cute and cuddly platformer named 12 Tales Conker 64 before its dramatic turn or shift towards mature audiences. I think we're on to the filler now, but uh, yeah. yes, it was a bit mature. I know it was mature, but I I didn't like having my head that it was particularly, that it made sense that there was Playboy. But I'll find the sexy there. flower for you. It was so radical and sexual radical. that Playboy were like, yeah, we'll have that. Apparently yeah. Nintendo refused to publish the game. And THQ did instead. I did think it was really weird that uh, Nintendo merchandise was being handed out alongside Playboy merchandise, but I assume Nintendo may not have had a hand in that. <laughs> there we are. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not that sexy. Well, it, it, the well, scene is 19, very sexy. Right. whatever. True. The Blimey. quest is that a bee wants to flip her. Right. And when you complete the quest, the bee buzzes over to the flower. The camera then pans just to Conker's face, and she's just like moaning in the background, and he's like going, uh... God, right. what would Conker's like, dad have to say about this? I don't know. That's what I want to know. He didn't know about any of it. No. Even that scene. He did not sign off on it. It just did that on yeah. its own. Yeah. Okay, well, I have some weird news. It comes from Amy Wicks and Fred Whitaker Jr. on Facebook um, by Caitlin Guganto at Gamer Ant. Gamer Ant. Stardew Valley fan makes a comprehensive guide for his mum. A Saji Valley fan creates a comprehensive guide for the game so his mother can learn to play with him and the Aww. community loves it. Um, a Saji Valley fan has compromised guide, has a comprehensive game guide of the games essential so his mum could learn to play. After his mum posted the printed guide to Reddit, the Saji Valley community wanted their own copies to help prevent mistakes and remember helpful tips while playing the game. With the game so packed with content, many players they still forget things even after playing for hundreds of hours. Uh, that is then... What is Saji Valley in case you didn't know? Um... Lucky for this aspiring gamer, her 17-year-old son created a guide to the ins and outs of Stardew Valley, complete with a suggested daily schedule, tracker for collectibles, crop information, much more. The 14-page guide includes tips for making money, traversing the skull caverns in Stardew Valley, and even a page of personal notes and checklists. His mum shared the link to the guide, complete with the son's disclaimer, it's no masterpiece. You might want to add that, add that nothing is mandatory, but I just made it for people who, who are bad at making decisions themselves. Um, despite his own critiques, many Stardew fans did find the guide to be a masterpiece that could help new and experienced players alike. The guide is especially handy for players who are starting Stardew Valley for the first time and may not know about the wiki or perhaps don't want too many spoilers. Um, and they, yeah, basically this kid just made a really nice guide for his mum. That's lovely. To, I, um, I looked it up. Like I looked at the guide and it is pretty comprehensive, to be fair. Like there's a lot on it. The stuff I didn't know, but I've not played it Stardew in a while. But... I just like that this 17-year-old spent time making a guide so that his mum could play a game with yeah. him. It's very sweet. It is. I thought I'd bring some cute news along this week. Yeah. That is lovely. Yeah. Let's talk about football. Uh, oh. If we have to. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's. Football. My weird news comes courtesy of Connor Bennett at cbennett underscore 12 on Twitter. And this is an article from Forbes and Mike Stubbs. Arsenal soccer star Gabriel Jesus banned in Counter-Strike 2. Oh, no. Why? Professional, we don't know, is the answer. <laughs> Professional soccer player Gabriel Jesus has been banned from Counter-Strike 2 and has appealed to develop a valve to overturn the ban on his account. Jesus, who plays for Arsenal in the Premier League, as Americans would say, 
uh, has been given a VAC ban on his Steam account and asked the official Counter-Strike account to help him get access to the game back. Okay, as he believes his ban is unfair. In the tweet, he also links to his Steam profile, which shows it has a game ban that was given out two days ago. Uh, This is a tweet that's been liked 17,500 times, just for context. Counter-Strike skin trading service CS Money has reported that the in-game items attached to Jesus' account are worth around $38,000, all of which are now lost unless the ban is overturned. Wow. Getting a VAC band overturned is not easy, with Valve typically refusing to overturn bans unless there is obvious evidence of a mistake. We currently do not know what Jesus was banned for, or of course if he actually broke any of the Steam terms of service that would warrant a ban. However, given his standing in the mainstream consciousness and his love of the game, it would not be a surprise to see the ban overturned. Having a ban such as Jesus will obviously introduce the game to more people and likely grow its player base further. Yeah, no one knows about Counter-Strike. Yeah. Goes on to say that Neymar also plays Counter-Strike, apparently. Uh, so Good. there we are. A couple, of quick shout out to James and Kieran, who I asked for the pronunciation guide to Jesus' Jesus's name, and they both made bad jokes. Uh, I will read Kieran's. There's a joke in there about how his shooting ability on the pitch is ban-worthy, but I'm too tired to make it. And James said, also ironic that the game countered a striker. Oh, yeah. So there we are. God. Great job, guys. They should be banned from they this should. office. Uh, just wanted to give those guys their moment. What's a VAC ban? Surely Don't that know. must stand for something. Vacuum. Vacuum ban. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No more Henry for you. Up too many wins. <laughs> too many kills. Yeah. That's my weird news. It's time for the big discussion. But wait. There's been an update. Breaking news. Hello. If you're watching the video version, you'll have seen there was a big jarring cut there. If you're listening to the audio version, we're recording this after the fact, because since we finished recording, there's been an update as of Thursday at what time is it currently? 12.52. 12.52. Yeah. Well, this news did come out a little bit earlier, but we only just saw it after we finished recording. I only just saw it. The Pokemon company has now officially acknowledged Palworld in mm-hmm. some capacity. This is from their website. Uh, under the heading inquiries regarding other companies' games. We have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January 2024. It doesn't name them. Mm -mm. We have not granted any permission for the use of Pokemon intellectual property or assets in that game. We intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property rights related to to the Pokemon. We will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon and its world and work to bring the world together through Pokemon in the future... The Pokemon company, Kiss Kiss. Now, yes. out of context, that sounds like they've said, we have learned that there has been infringement and we are going to deal with it. But yeah. I think they, they've they kind of said everything and nothing there. And I think they, they might be just sort of saying, look, if something's happened here, we'll deal with it. But... Mm. Yeah, we're also about to discuss yeah. something that was published on Twitter comparing Power World and Pokemon that was later found out to be false so it may be that they're working on what's been posted what's kind of gone viral and are going to discover that actually this didn't happen but it's all Mm. up in the air it could be that uh again as we go on to discuss in a moment that the legions of pokemon fans who have been i mean the the pokemon excuse me the pokemon company game freak and nintendo are acutely aware of power world Mm -hmm. i'm sure it's this is perhaps just a statement 
to to try and stop people saying, yeah. guys, have you seen them? Yeah, they're yeah. ripping off your mm-hmm. thing. There may not be any action because of this. It might just be a boilerplate thing like, oh, we'll look into it. No permission was granted. We'll look into it. We're treating this very seriously. Mm-hmm. But actually, there may still end up being that there, there being no wrongdoing mm-hmm. that they find. Yeah. So what you're about to hear, we didn't know about that statement, but I think it doesn't really change what we were what we've said and what, no. how we felt about this because they've not been specific there saying we're taking action yeah. about this specific thing or so we found evidence or anything it's yeah. all just like we're maybe we're like, looking into we're it. aware mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right let's get on with the big discussion then it's big discussion time time for the big video game discussion that this week comes courtesy of samuel benson Howdy, Bap. My question is Pal World or Jet Gal World? Adjacent. Mm-hmm. However, I'm really interested in all of the plagiarism claims being brought against the game in regard to copying Pokemon. So my question is, how do we distinguish or draw the line between inspiration and plagiarism, especially when it comes to video games? So largely, we're going to be talking about Pal World here. I think, I mean, the end of our conversation may well be, it's difficult to define. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, deep breath. Here's a massive write-up from VGC and Andy Robinson, but Can't it gives uh, an overview of what she's gone on TikTok. Just no, to no, time I haven't gone on TikTok. Don't tell lies. You're getting uh, lovely community comments. Yeah, I'm aren't trying you? to find. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, you carry on. Should I read? You want to do it I'll first? Do, no, no, no. You go from, first. From I, VGC. I need to, Here we go. Back. Back. Bang. Yes. <gasps> The director of Steam's colossal breakout hit, Palworld, has responded... You right? You pulled a face there, I thought. Did I say something wrong? No. What? No. Okay. Out the corner of my... I'm really sorry. Out the corner <laughs> of my eye, you looked at me with your eyes open. I was like, what have I said? Have but I if he looked at you with his eyes closed, you might think he's having a stroke. Is that what happens? <laughs> <laughs> if he just went like this. <laughs> well, it was it was Peter's turn to me suddenly. Like I just thought, did I say it? Did I, I sometimes say it? just glance at the camera while you're reading stuff? Maybe I glance back quite quickly. Okay, I, don't know. I thought maybe I'd said something you're unbelievable. Really getting in your head about this. You really are. I've got so much to read. I need all your guys' support. It's okay, like a whole well, page we're, of reading. We're here, ready to support. Known you. racist, <laughs> pal world. The director of Steam's colossal breakout hit, Palworld, has responded to allegations of plagiarism as accusations mount that the game could have copied Pokemon designs. Could have. Since launching into early access on PC and Xbox on Friday, this being last Friday, yes, Mm -hmm. uh, Palworld has become a huge breakout success with over 5 million sales and more than 1.3 million concurrent Steam players. However, the survival game's success ignited discourse around perceived similarities between its character design and those of the Pokemon games. Although the actual gameplay of Palworld is vastly different from from Nintendo's series, debate has raged on social media around the obvious influence its character designs have taken from Pokemon and whether it could be interpreted as plagiarism. On Monday, the game's director and CEO of developer Pocket Pair, Takuro Mizobi, posted a response to the accusations. While he did not deny any influence from Pokemon, he claimed the game's artists had received online abuse and called for it to stop. We are currently receiving abusive and defamatory comments against our artists, in addition to tweets that appear to be death threats, he wrote on X, translated by VGC. While we have uh, received various opinions about Palworld, it is important to note that the supervision of all materials related to Palworld is conducted by a team, including myself. I bear the responsibility for the produced materials. I would appreciate it if these comments towards artists involved in Palworld would cease. However, the accusations against Palworld took another turn on Sunday when an anonymous Twitter account appeared appeared claiming to show evidence of not just design inspiration but plagiarism plagiarism sorry of actual game assets. Mm. User Bio 
posted several videos Stinky. comparing Palwell's in-game 3D models to those of Pokemon and claimed to show evidence that they were likely copied. While none of the half-dozen models compared by the Twitter user appear to be one-to-one -one copies, they claimed that their proportions were nearly identical to Pokemon models exported from Switch's Scarlet and Violet games. According to two experienced AAA games artists who spoke to VGC, the model comparisons on Twitter are likely evidence that Palworld's character models were indeed based on Pokemon assets. You cannot, in any way, accidentally get the same proportions on multiple models from another game without ripping the models, or at the very least tracing them meticulously first, one senior character artist told VGC anonymously, adding, I would stand in court to testify as an expert on this. They explained, To give you an idea of how impossible this is, sometimes we have to copy one mesh to another when we make sequels to games. For example, for example sorry, redrawing an NPC from one game to another. And even when we rework those old models, they only sometimes match this closely due to rigging changes that might need to happen. There have been times when dozens of artists have been given the same concept art to create a 3D model, for example, during art tests for jobs. I've seen 30 artists try to make the same horse using the exact schematics. None were as close to each other as these PAL world models are to the Pokemon models. None. The silhouettes and proportions here are near-perfect matches. Well, then how did they do that, then? Well, do you have the update to this little de this detail? Not yet, but feel free to update. I will. Now? When whenever you want. Another senior character artist in the games industry agreed the model comparisons could be compelling evidence of plagiarism. The wireframe meshes look different, so they're not the same models, but it's so close that they may have built over the top of the Pokemon models and made a few changes, so they weren't exactly the same. When does heavily inspired become a blatant copy? It's much easier to take a successful style and tweak it slightly than it is to come up with a new cohesive style, right? I wouldn't be comfortable passing this off as my work, it's just too close in many places. There's more. Do you want to wade in with the update or are you looking for it? I'm trying to find, yeah, I saw it yesterday on, on Twitter. Basically, mm -hmm. a person, I think it might be that person, who yeah. tried to do this comparison of meshes, just faked it. They oh. they copied like meshes and made them look identical. And they were, they did it because they think Palworld promotes animal abuse and they were trying to like what, take so down this, the... this B.O. person? I, th I think. I'm trying bollocks. to find who... Like, I'm trying to... F uh, here we go. Yeah, the two people we got quotes from are unnamed character artists. But B.O. is the is the Twitter account that was that was comparing the models. Yes, here we go. So Palmer at TTV Palmer on Twitter did a tweet saying, uh, it's been proven that the Palworld, that Palworld was not made with AI and was not made with stolen assets. In fact, look how the models are one-to-one... -one the Twitter user who said, look how the models are one-to-one, -one, later admitted to scaling them to fit. Y'all couldn't find legitimate reason for anger and fabricated it. And then there were screenshots of B.O. saying, I feel a little regretful for using exactly as a quote, so flippantly here, saying that they're exactly the same. Right. I was trying to be silly, but I think I gave an incorrect impression. I want to emphasize that while some elements are similar, these meshes are not literally exact copies of each other. And then later said... Um, Oh, that's not the bit about animal abuse. Um, but yeah, they, they did say elsewhere. Yeah, I was basically just trying to like sort of take the game down a peg because, um, <laughs> right. oh yeah, the person that created misleading anti Palworld World video admits to hating Palworld World for, quote, glorifying animal abuse. This has nothing to do with plagiarism. They just hate a game for being too edgy. Uh, uh. So, I mean, even this could be, it's difficult to to get definitive answers like it could be some people 
uh, jumping to the defense of the game yeah. and saying, no, 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 like they've they've made this up and. Mm. I will finish this in a second, yeah. but it has been like, it's been so fascinating watching this discourse because so many people are seemingly indiscriminately wanting to dislike this game, either because they're just defending Pokemon well, for whatever reason. I can tell reason. you all about that in a minute if I'm you want. Yeah, I would love to. I bet there's some really level-headed responses. Super level-headed. While yeah. others are like, who cares? It doesn't matter if they ripped it off. Like there's there's been a real war on the mm, internet. And yeah. given the monumental success, it's a really fascinating situation because people are as far as i can tell at the moment there is no definitive proof that any wrongdoing has been done here but it's just really close well my thing is yeah. we all know how intense and strict nintendo can be yes. about copyright and we've heard about this game for like well over 18 months mm -hmm. xbox has endorsed it i it's on game don't Pass. feel like this game would have been allowed to even publish had there been a quantifiable enough reason mm. for them to say it was copied from Pokemon. Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Nintendo would have sued them into the ground had they had any basis of for doing They so. reacted in less than a day when someone modded Pokemon into the game. Yeah. They yeah. immediately got that taken yeah. down. But they've not taken so, action against a no. game that we have seen for at least two like years mm -hmm. of Keely Cons. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's been a couple and each time we've been like, oh it's Pokemon with Guns, Guns? Which is reductive because that's not really what it is. It's undeniable that a lot of the models are very similar yes. to real Pokemon. You can't deny that, but yeah. it's clearly different enough. Yeah. Otherwise, there would have been an issue. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, shall I finish this? Yeah, yeah please, please do. do. Uh, VGC has asked Powerworld developer Pocket Pair for comment on this story. So bear in mind that the rest of this was published before we had the revelation that actually mm -hmm. the comparisons on Twitter were fabricated. If the 3D models do provide compelling evidence of copying, then it raises the question of the possibility of legal action from the Pokemon Company, a historically litigious organization which has frequently targeted fan games and uh, imitation projects in the past. There have been examples in the past of games being removed from Steam following accusations of asset copying from other companies. That links to another article. David Hansel, uh, an intellectual property and digital media lawyer at Hansel Henson told VGC that if it could be proven that elements of the 3D models were the same, then it would represent a smoking gun for any legal case brought forward by the Pokemon company. It's down to Nintendo to absolutely prove copying, not merely taking influence, he told VGC. It's got to be obvious copying. You look at one picture and you look at the other alongside it. The industry would have come to an end years ago if you weren't allowed to take influence. If you can't have, uh, you can't have a monopoly on a certain style of artwork, it literally has to be copying. The Pokemon Company will be looking for a smoking gun, and these 3D uh, vi model videos, which are BS as it turns out, could... Seemingly could be mm -hmm. gold dust for lawyers because they're not just thematically similar. From what those videos show, it could be extremely compelling evidence of copying. If those are original Pokemon models shown in those videos, the Nintendo should be home and dry in terms of demonstrating copying. That could be a smoking gun. They keep saying smoking gun. Mm -hmm. uh, Hogue Law Attorney Richard Hogue commented, I can't speak to the science used on this Twitter account, but certainly evidence of actual assets being stolen is the kind of thing that is likely to make a more successful case. Simply being inspired by existing de designs, even if that goes so far as to use certain design rules, proportions, coloration, curve, usage, eye size, etc., is generally not Speaking to Japanese site Automation, Pocket Pair CEO Mizobi claimed that Palworld had cleared legal reviews and that there had been no action taken uh, against it by other companies. Mm -hmm. We make our games very seriously and we have absolutely no intention of infringing upon the intellectual property of other companies, he said. Yes. 
I think this whole discourse is really strange as well like do you think it's because it's because it's so successful well i think because it's so successful absolutely but i also think that there's been this weird like conversation about oh well maybe this will be the thing that finally make game freak to make Pokemon? yeah yeah um make them like pull their finger out and make like put more effort in when oh, making yeah, their I games but then equally on that side it's like well why would they care because this game is a completely different game to what they produce mm -hmm. but yeah should i tell you what the uh the the audience thought yes yeah. please um so there was a lot of people referring to this game as parody and being like it's blatantly parody which i don't think is correct i think that just because something is similar to something else and you want to give it an excuse to be similar you can't call it parody because i don't believe this game is a parody mm. it's not taking the mick out of pokemon it's just it's a different game characters it's not a parody mm. um some people are saying that the game is clearly inspired by pokemon but does not have it has more than enough to separate itself using survival mechanics and various other things in the game um some people are very adamant that it is a ripoff and if people can't see that then they're ridiculous and on the other side people are saying if you think it's a ripoff then you're ridiculous mm -hmm. my favorite comment is i think people forget what sheep forget that sheep exist um which is funny because talking about the pals that look yeah. like sheep right yeah. yeah i thought that's what they meant but yeah so they're saying they said this pal people like seem sheep, to have forgotten like that poke. sheep exist yeah, yeah. Mm, right um so yeah there's various basically everything we've been seeing on the internet is very similar here um but people think this is, pokemon does not have a monopoly on the cute monster hunting rpg genre mm. and neither do i think power world is a bastion of creativity so yeah i think everyone can agree that the pals and the concept of catching the pals is not a new idea no. there's lots of things that have been borrowed from other places to create this game but i do think that this game is an individual game it's like, it's such a frankenstein's monster yeah. of different things that mm -hmm. it is its own thing mm -hmm. and you don't have to like that and you can call it creatively bankrupt if you want because it is like even just the like the the non-model comparisons that people have been making on twitter like this looks like when you use that pokemon fusing website thing, yeah this looks like this pokemon with like different details taken from this pokemon put on on mm -hmm. that you can like that's totally that's obviously what they've done and yeah. it's clearly what they've done but it's it is permissible they haven't as as the legal experts there said unless there is proof of actual copying which they seemingly haven't done then they haven't done anything wrong apart from maybe not appeal to your sensibilities mm -hmm. and that's okay yeah. mm -hmm. but the the discourse has been so toxic and I, that obviously has been elevated by the fact that it sold 5 million copies yeah. like in a weekend which is yeah. unreal yeah. and also goes some way to disprove perhaps what we've been saying recently about how uh, Game Pass cannibalizes sales mm -hmm. although it is worth bearing in mind that the Steam version of Pal World is different from the PC Game Pass yeah. and Xbox Game Pass version of Pal yeah. World so that probably accounts for most of the sales but mm -hmm. even so like that's it. this game is so big that it's it's bucking what we thought about uh, how certain things worked. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'd, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes of this whatsoever. I think the fact, that, as we've said, the fact that Nintendo haven't done a takedown uh, or a you know cease and desist in all that time during development or after the game has now been published is that in itself is is very telling. Mm -hmm. And if there was a smoking gun in this situation, I think we would have seen something far sooner. Um, so although, you know, those people claiming that the the mesh comparison stuff 
was faked by that BO person. Um, you know, I, I, I can't place any more stock in their claims than I can in the initial claims of, of you know, making the comparison. It's all just people on Twitter saying, he said, she said, this is mm -hmm. true, this isn't. Um, but seemingly, the fact that no action is being taken by Nintendo or the Pokemon company, um, I think that kind of says it all. They're watching it very closely. The, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. Like but, hawks. Uh, but also, like you say, like if they were going to do something, they would have done something now. Yeah. Like there's much they can watch it and they'll stop people from like actively stealing their content and putting it in other people's games. That, you know, fair enough. However, I I don't think Power World will ever get served by Pokemon unless yeah. they release a, con a, a Pokemon later down the road that's literally Pikachu. Well, yeah, that's and what then I was going to say. It might... So inspiration is okay if you if they made something that is too close to an an existing Pokemon, not even a hybrid of two Pokemon that's very clearly just two Pokemon combined. That probably I'm sure that is permissible. Mm -hmm. But if they just basically made Jigglypuff or Pikachu, then it's a bit like that might be where things get a little bit a little bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, but the the general concept of there being you know this world of monsters and you're catching them i remember when digimon uh sort of came yeah. out in the wake of pokemon and at the time even as a child i thought is that allowed are they allowed to do that mm. of course they were allowed to do that as history has shown us i remember watching monster rancher in the morning uh mm. and thinking this is fun reminds me a bit of pokemon but it was legally different mm -hmm. um so uh yeah it, but in terms of uh, to answer the part of samuel benson's question where is the line? I mean, you're right, Ben, what you said earlier, it's it's just very difficult to say where the line is. Um, but I think it helps to be um, transformative and to make something your own. If Pal World had come out with these monster designs and had exactly the same style of gameplay as Pokemon, then again, maybe there would have been more of a mm -hmm. case for Nintendo or the Pokemon company to complain. Um, but uh, the fact that, yeah, you have these sort of Pokemon-ish monsters but then you've got this completely different set of gameplay mechanics you know that's that's an element of like you're you're, you're transforming and combining and using new ideas so it's not um uh that you're not taking away earnings as well that is a crucial part of um suing people for copyright infringement or you know it comes into play with plagiarism as well claims of plagiarism um can be um, oh, sorry, parody is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Uh, you can you can claim parody, and one of the things that is looked at, it, certainly in the UK courts, is uh, whether your quote unquote parody will cost the rights holder of the thing you're parodying money. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's not likely to be uh, infringing on their earnings, then that goes a long way to you know defending that that yeah. product. Yeah, I don't think this game is you know creatively unique i think it has borrowed a lot from a lot of places yeah. and i think that as much as people will call plagiarism it's kind of cobbled together enough stuff that it's become a pretty unique game i think i think this game is a flavor of the month and i think it will potentially be over and done with in a few weeks time if that um but i do i think the most the strangest thing about Power World is the people who are so desperate to come to the defense of Pokemon and Game Freak and are like, you've stolen my favorite game and are so outwardly like mm. aggressive to these devs 
and like sending death threats, which is just insane thing to do. Don't yeah. do that no. to anyone. Um, I just think that like, it's so weird, that element of it. This whole conversation, I think Game Freak have stayed out of it because I think they are just not getting involved as much as they can. But I do think that this game is a lot is inspired by a lot. I like say I don't think we're able to really ever call something specifically plagiarism. I think that they have pushed themselves far enough away from everything that they've borrowed from that no one can necessarily call it a direct copy of their thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's a shame that people have just not been allowed to enjoy this game without bombarding the internet with false information and the whole ai thing that came out this week that yeah. oh well actually they used ai to steal these pokemon designs and make them in something different which then came out to be unequivocally false no so they made them yeah yeah i think i'm happy that this game has done well for these dev these indie devs because mm. i think that maybe it might equal out with all of the hate that they have received yeah yeah i on a personal level, I'm I'm enjoying it. Like it's mm -hmm. it's a fun game. As I said earlier, it is a Frankenstein's monster of lots of different genres, mm -hmm. and it is obviously inspired by Pokemon. But it's that's no revelation. We always knew that. Yeah. We've known that for years that it was inspired yeah. by Pokemon. Uh, it's a, as you said, Ashton. It's a shame that people can't just enjoy it or not enjoy it, and that's okay. Um, you know, we may stand corrected very soon because mm -hmm. it, it's understandable how this conversation came about because it is so close in so many aspects that mm. it's raised eyebrows already. And obviously when it launches and people can, you know, it's, it's just a preview build at the moment. But like when people can get in there and see the extent of the inspiration, eyebrows are going to fly off people's faces and people are going to start making connections. But if there's no, if there is actually no weight to that, then you know mm. just just enjoy it's it. a waste of everyone's breath yeah just enjoy yeah. it or don't you know and and something you know, something may come to light between now and this podcast releasing or even next week who knows but as it stands palworld is is an original game made up of very unoriginal ideas yeah. Yeah. and that's okay i also really like playing it and trying to spot this the similarities for myself like Zelda noise fortnite animation there's a flipping Raichu over there. Yeah. It's like a Raichu over there. I swear to God, that's a Raichu over there. <laughs> it's even got a little lightning bolt on its tail and everything. Like it's yeah. fu like it's fun to just sort of be like, how are they getting away with this? Mm. This is fun. Um, anyway, that's that, I suppose. Uh, enjoy it or don't. Doesn't matter uh, until there's actual wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let it exist. Mm -hmm. Maybe Nintendo are just building up a massive case. They could them, honestly that could be so yeah. it. Could be that they get hit with a a huge legal act, you know, case yeah. in in a couple it of weeks. Time. But I don't think now. so. I do think like yeah. I, I think the game just wouldn't have been released. I think Nintendo would have done a yeah. cease and desist. Yeah. And also, development. as we said earlier, like Xbox has been championing this game on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's coming out. Obviously, Jeff has been talking about it and showing it in various Jeff Jeffrey sequences over the past couple of years. These guys would not have put yeah. their weight. There's going to be a lot of egg on, on a lot of faces mm. if it turns out they've done something. It would have just so. like snuck onto Steam. If it was like one of them shovelware, like yeah. basic oh, that LG asset. game we were talking about, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Super Mario yeah, thing. Yeah, it would have just week. snuck onto somewhere like the people, some people would have bought it. No, it would not have had the same amount of, you know, prowess as it does now. Mm -hmm. If it had been, if they had been worried that this was going to happen. Yeah, you'd but, have thought so. Yeah. Yeah. 
as you say, there might be an egg on our faces uh, yeah. Could as be. well as Jeff's uh, after the fact. But We're only dealing with so. the information that we've got available yeah. to exactly. us at this exact moment. Exactly. Uh, but there we are. Let us know what you think about Pal World. Are you enjoying it? Do you think it's uh, just a flavorless scam let us know in the comments but be nice you know don't be mm. don't be a rude boy or girl or other uh, there's a few places you can find us on the internet Peter's going to tell you a couple of them right now yes you can find us at youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump all of our videos go out on youtube and almost all of our streams happen on twitch apart from a few special occasions if you've got amazon prime you are already paying for a twitch sub you might not have spent it on anyone it won't cost you anything extra you have paid for it already and uh, if you redeem it on us you get all the benefits of being a twitch sub at no extra cost we have a twitter a facebook an instagram and a tiktok on all of which we are at team triple jump and if you want to join our patreon it's patreon.com forward slash team triple jump triple jump is our website that's where you can find links to everything we do and why not leave us a five-star review on your platform of choice it helps something to do with al gore's rhythms and we'd really appreciate it thank you so much just enough time for this week's sponsor once again which is of course gal world mm -hmm. uh which is a frankenstein's monster made up of uh gals lots Slow of different lots of different gals it's actually called dr frankenstein dr yeah. frankenstein yeah. okay not that it's not the monster yeah my mistake uh so go play gal world now or don't I don't care I'm not your mum thanks for watching slash listening we'll see you next time bye, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.